Welcome to this week's Nitty Gritty. We are coming off an epic week. Epic. I mean, it was wild. The you Mike guys, Sell Miracle. You guys love, whoa, okay. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think we've ever said that. I might have just come up with something that sticks. <laughs> yeah. The Mike Sell Miracle. You guys love Betsy and Gentry and the story of their crash. We love them. And, I mean, we've never had the kind of response, the amount of people crazy. who listened, people on Instagram, social media. And it's not, sharing. Su- it's not surprising. No, not at all. They're amazing. But it was absolutely incredible. So, first of all, thank you so much if you listened, if you shared. And Be- welcome if you're new. And welcome. This is the first time you've heard us. Yeah. We're pretty good. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but yeah, that was awesome. And then this week, we got to sit down with our good friend, Jake Chrisman. And it was a fun episode. It was light, but we got a friend find out about all of his criminal history. His love story. <laughs> And then it's a big tall drink of water, ladies. Yep. Watch the video. Look at the Instagram. You're welcome. But it was a fun episode. We got to chat with them for a bit and find out all sorts of fun stuff. We learned where our lights come from. Yeah. All of our energy. That was fascinating. He trades power. You'll hear about it, but just something you've probably never thought about. So thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy it. And we'd love to hear from you. It's been a lot of fun this week hearing from a lot of you. We got a lot of fun reviews. Our top 10 ranking and business and entrepreneurship on apple that in the was, world that was kind of a big deal like the name crazy na- like the names we are up there with right that was kind of fun man we're gonna make so much money <laughs> oh wait no we haven't gotten paid for anything <laughs> but that was an awesome awesome story yep holy crap the love story I, it's funny like the plane crash is the crazy part of it right yeah. but 13 years old pagers and payphones. <laughs> i mean it's like they got to make a movie they well what's funny to. is i mean we had a lot of people be like bring them back for valentine's day uh, we need to so that that would be a good like i mean they've got to be a pretty good example right yep i mean geez i've been dating since they were 13 years old that's crazy they're poor parents <laughs> do you imagine like you're not in love i promise you're only 15 <laughs> no it's him i swear anyway you guys are amazing. Thank Thanks you so for much. Listening. Welcome to the Nitty Gritty. We've got, dare I say, the best looking man on the podcast oh. that we've ever had. His name is Jake Chrisman. Welcome. Hey, good to be here. Good friend of mine, bishop, <laughs> power broker, professional, semi-professional basketball player, mm-hmm. D1 basketball, D1 baseball. What else? Six foot eight. Father of five. <laughs> Father of five. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a full-time job. That's worthy uh, to talk about. Husband of Emmy. Hu- yeah, hu- we've got to talk about Emmy. Yeah, Emmy's yep. here. Yep, Emmy is basically Not like with my us. twin yeah. sister, yeah. <laughs> right? So, so yeah, welcome. Thanks hey, for coming. No, I, I appreciate it. It's good to be here. This, this will be fun because this is a very, very close friend of mine, friend of Andrew's as well, and I've already noticed that I want to just kind of screw around and be irreverent and... So I'm going to have to I control have myself that, today. Yeah, I know. have that effect on people. <laughs> they just want to, you know, tell dirty jokes and, and giggle. What? That's like, that's Christmas. what we <laughs> So Jake is in my phone. So this is, I'll, I'll just, I want to hear your story. Here's, here's my story on how I met Jake. It will be very different. I'm going to segue. <laughs> I'm going to segue so we can pull this story out that you guys keep mentioning. But I moved back from Arizona and 
what was it, 2012. So I think that beginning of 2012. Yeah. Maybe the end of 2011. Anyway, we had been in Arizona for two years. We came back. We rented my cousin Trey's house. And Jake lived right across the street. I'd never met him. <laughs> but you were the EQP, right? You were the elders, elders quorum president in our church, in our ward. I guess we have to clarify all the church talk sometimes. But in our congregation, yeah. like where we live, we all go to church together. Anyway, so I pull up with the big U-Haul in front of this little house we're renting. And Jake is there with a big smile on his face with like 20 dudes. I'm not kidding. That truck was completely unloaded and everything put in the appropriate room in like 25 minutes. It was the greatest. I was one of those 20 dudes. You were there? I was there. Wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't remember that. It's I okay. Just, that was my first impression. And it was just, it was awesome. And so ever since that day, well, not since that day, but over the next few months, I realized that he's a pretty special guy. So he is Jake the Saint Christman in my phone. <laughs> kind of like Jake the Snake, you know, from WWE, right. but yeah. just holier. So less, yeah, less flair. That's how I met. How did you meet Jake, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. My story is a little different. <laughs> Let's hear it. So you, it goes back to high school basketball. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you got to put some drum roll stuff in here, Brent. So afterwards, Jake, I can already tell where this is going. Oh, so good. So Jake's a couple years older than I am, mm -hmm. but we're in the same division. So this is Provo versus American, American Fork. Fork. American Fork. Yep. Okay. And I just remember there was a shoe involved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was our fans. We Provo was way better than us, first of all. Right. So when you always get dominated by a team, you got to like go low, right? Like, because you can't <laughs> you like, play dirty. Yeah. You can't compete on the court. So you got to find somewhere else to go. Right. Got to get in their heads. Yeah. So one year, Jake, they're in the state championship. <laughs> I'll let Jake tell the story because it's way better. I've I've actually never heard you tell it. I really have no idea what the story. <laughs> I've actually really this? I've never heard it. Wow. So so before he tells it, come full circle. One, um, it was I think it was the Pinnacle Basketball League, like Pinnacle Security Basketball yeah, League, like yeah. way yeah. back in the day. And I think it was actually Trey, who's like, "Hey, come play ball." Yeah. And I was like, "All right, yeah, who's on the team?" He's like, "Jay Chris." I was like, "Hold on, who?" <laughs> He's like, Jay Christman. I'm like, no, pass. Like, I don't want to go play. Like, it was really funny. He's like, no, dude, he's awesome. Like, hold on. The Jay Christman went to Provo? He's like, yeah, that guy. I'm like, really? <laughs> so I love you. But it was really funny. Back in high school. He was a real dick. Is you're that what you're different, about to say? You're different people I was back worst, in the right? day. I was the worst. <laughs> So, I am. I was for sure on some people's hit list, right? Like Billy Madison, <laughs> right? The guy marking off. I'm sure glad I called that guy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I was the worst. What happened? So Jake, tell the story. Oh, okay. And then, and then you're going to go back to like that AF game because uh -huh. I remember that game. That was that was a, a heated game. Uh, yeah. Kids are young and dumb, and yeah. Uh, so this is my sophomore year, um, and playing for Provo High, it's, uh, we, we were ranked 12th in the nation. Like we were, it was legit. We were good. Right. They were really good. Yeah. We beat, uh, we beat Miami senior in a game and that had like Udonis Haslam and Steve Blake, right? Two, two big time NBA guys. 
Um, but we, uh, we were at the University of Utah uh, and getting ready for our game. And they put us in the University of Utah basketball players locker room, right? Well, there was like Mike Doliak's shoes <laughs> sitting there and others and me and uh, and a couple of our a uh, couple of my uh, teammates made a very poor decision as 15 16 year old kids and put those in our bag <laughs> not a great idea so now fast forward we play the game uh we win the state championship and as i'm you know with my team celebrating and having a great time like you know the pinnacle, right? Right. Did it. Uh, my athletic director comes over and grabs my arm very sternly. And I was like, no, what's going on? He's like, you need to come with me. And I knew. Oh. I, like, I knew exactly what it was. And the state championship, it was at the U? It was at the U. Wait, was that the day you stole the shoes? Oh, yeah. That was. So they were in your back. Was it, yeah. Middle of the game. Like, <laughs> oh yes. My the University of Utah basketball players came back mid-game and their stuff was gone. Because it was in a mine and two other guys' bags. <laughs> Stupid. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is the Jake that you didn't know. Oh, I mean, I've heard some stories, but that one's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, make, to make it worse, we got arrested, right? Yep. They really? called, called in the university police. We got arrested and, uh, and handcuffed us and walked us across the court. Just after you won the state championship. While we're still celebrating. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yep. Right past right past uh, the Orem High and the Mountain View High teams as they're getting ready to come onto the court to play their championship game. Right. So like dudes that that I played against for a while right. that maybe didn't like me, like Andrew didn't like me, right? <laughs> and they're yeah, they, they got a, a kick out of that. But yeah, that was a poor decisions on my part. Now, wow. fast forward two years. So then what happens? Everyone holds up a shoe. Oh. <laughs> yep. For the next two basketball seasons, that's, that was every team that we played against. That was like their chant or their. Oh here's, here's the thing. Gosh. Back then, they let high school kids be high school kids. Oh, yeah, for right. sure. And like we got rowdy, right? Wow. And so now you don't get to do any of that kind of stuff. Now well, yeah, you, it's bully. you can't bully people. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> can I not? Can I not make fun of like these like trigger hot button? Oh, listen, like, <laughs> snowflakes. Yeah, you can make fun of yeah. it all you want. Yeah, like I didn't have a That's helicopter. That's not real bullying. I didn't have a right? helicopter mom that like you know Karen came out of the stands and like yelled at people. My mom's like, well. You're an idiot, and this you is made what you're going <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's my memories of Jake and holding up the shoe, and then Jake just going off and dominating. I say, that probably made Jake better, getting all pissed uh, off. It did. But, yeah, so that, that's... That's hard, though, for a high school kid. You make one stupid little mistake. It's a pretty big... You know mistake. what I mean? I mean, it's some shoes. Yeah, sure. He's got 37 pairs of them. Yeah. And they probably illegally attained them through some shady Nike deal anyway, so... <laughs> They were Adidas. Oh, well, same thing. <laughs> same thing. What did you ever do with them? Well, they were in my bag. Did they take them back? Is that how oh, they, they found it was you? Like they went through everyone's bag when they noticed they were missing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You didn't say like, who put those in there? <laughs> <laughs> Literally wow. caught red-handed. Yeah. So that was my last memory of Jake before I met him. So after I'd got home from my mission and played ball, 
and we showed up on the same city league team. That was my last memory of Jake. So I can, they're like, Hey, come, oh, come play ball with gosh. Jake. It's like, so no. not so fun fact about that game, that AF game. Cause it was rowdy. It was at our place, right? Uh-huh. That's when you're talking about uh-huh. triple overtime. Yep. And Russ kept hitting like threes at the buzzer to yep. push it into further overtime. Uh-huh. Who's Russ? Russ Jepson played yep. ball at AF. Okay. Tall, skinny kid could shoot so lights keep out. Keep going in overtime for you guys. Like you would tie it at the buzzer. Yeah. Uh-huh. American yeah. Pork. Yeah. Russ, okay. he kept hitting threes and just, yeah. So it was triple overtime was when we wow. finally won. Uh, but we're now celebrating in the middle of our court, right? And I was having words with their entire student body <laughs> section. Oh, my God. Our, our resource officer uh, came up. And like grab my like grab me, and told me to like stop and and to get in the locker room. And I like shh, like knocked his hand hand away. He wanted to arrest me. Wow. So I go into the locker room, and then Coach Drury comes in, and I'm pretty sure that's the first time that Coach, Coach Drury has said the expletives that he has <laughs> said in that locker room, uh, because this officer, our our Provo High resource officer, wanted to arrest me. And by a resource officer, it's still a real. Oh yeah, no, policeman. No, he, yeah, he's a. He's real just policeman. assigned to the school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow, jeez. It got heated. People can change, folks. Yeah, people can. This change. is proof. <laughs> and now I love the man. Like it's crazy. So, what made you change? So you weren't a member of the church. Were you a member of the church at this time yet? No, no, no. Were you dating Emmy yet? No. Okay. No, not at all. So just a punk, like really good athlete. I was just tall. I was a I was a really big punk. I Where does that come days. from? Uh is I your don't dad know. was your dad like that in his younger years? So your dad I just learned. This is so funny. I, so yeah, we lived across the street from each other for three years. Right. I did not know his dad played major league baseball, played for the Reds. Yeah. So Reds. and you know, you do see that. Like it's so common for pro athletes to have very successful you know kids in athletics sure but was he a hothead uh no he wasn't a hothead he was competitive he was very competitive um but no i i was definitely a hothead my older brother jed was way worse (laughs) no (laughs) yeah oh he's the (laughs) yes (laughs) he yeah that is crazy so so what changed was it uh no no i just grew up I really, I just grew up. I mean, my freshman year at, at BYU, I was still, I was still. I think Coach Cleveland would consider me a somewhat of a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had, I would have conversations with him after games about me not swearing right in front of the cameras <laughs> because because uh, fans were, you know, boosters were getting upset. Okay, so you get recruited. How many people recruited you? How many schools recruited you out of high school? Um, and why the freak did you go to BYU if yeah, you were in LDS? Yeah, good point. Good question. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it, I had never thought I would ever go to BYU. I was like, a, right. absolutely not, never. Um, so I was recruited by a lot of the West Coast schools, a couple of East Coast schools, but mostly West Coast and, and for, for basketball and for baseball. Right. Um, I, Which did you like better at that point? Uh, basketball. I, yeah, basketball. Okay. Just be, the, the competition side of it, right? I like to compete every day and yeah. that's, that's kind of my mindset. And, yeah. And you were a pitcher, right? Yeah. Baseball? Yeah. So yeah, a lot of times you're just 
So in high school, it was great because if I wasn't pitching, I was playing first or third and I was hitting third or fourth, right? But you go to college and you pitch every fifth day or sixth day. Chew seeds or maybe in your... Yeah, well... Yeah, maybe... Red man, or I was, whatever. Just no, kidding. I wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that would be boring. I was at BYU. We didn't do that there. Oh, that's true. Well, I know a lot of people that do things at BYU. They just, you know, keep it quiet. Yeah, no. So I, uh, I was recruited by some some really awesome programs. Uh, Gonzaga being probably the the headline of it. Wow. Um, and the day I signed with BYU, I got a call from from Coach Few that said, "Hey, are you are you sure that you really want to you really want to go to BYU and not to Gonzaga?" And I mean, looking back at it, you know, if I would have gone to Gonzaga, things would have ended up differently for, with from a basketball perspective. Right. But I mean, things ended up exactly how they how they needed to. I mean, I found I found my my sweetheart enemy, and and who knows what uh, what path I would have been on otherwise well based on what i've heard it wouldn't be a good one yeah (laughs) probably very true very true uh so the reason why i went to byu um my freshman and sophomore year in high school my baseball coach was vance law at provi uh my junior year he got the job at byu and so can you think of a better baseball name than vance law right oh and a dynamite or an actor even (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean, everybody knows that. Well, anybody around here. but yeah. So uh, BYU was the only school that would allow me to play both. Huh. Uh, when Cleveland, I was I was on basketball scholarship, and, uh, and Cleveland said, yeah, once once the season's over with, by all means, go play baseball. And, and Vance is sitting back saying, hey, I can get a pitcher that's throwing low 90s. Without giving up a without scholarship. Without giving up a scholarship? Absolutely, I'll take him. I wonder if people know, like, every team has a limit of scholarships. They I've do. never thought about that. Like, if you're playing two, which one has to foot the bill? You know, because it has to count against one of the teams. So, yeah, that's a huge win-win for the baseball team there. It'll always count against basketball or, or, or it will always count against football. Right. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because they they're the only ones that give out full scholarships. Where baseball, they've got something like thirty scholarships to divvy up amongst you know however many players. Not right. thirty, no, like eighteen scholarships or something. Something say, ridiculous. It's like it's all half scholarships. Gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's why you go to BYU. Now is that so? Emmy, mm-hmm. we should have brought Emmy in. <laughs> you can't really. Describe Emmy with words. Well, sure you can. You just like, look at this guy. A female That's this, true. This yeah. is we're very similar. my wife's personality. Right she here. was like, yeah. It was so funny when we lived across the street. Like you're a lot more like you know Ashley. Yes. You know, just which is funny hearing this past side of you that I didn't know about. It's really interesting how much you've grown up. But yeah, Emmy and I would just kind of make fun of people and watch rated R movies, and I miss having her as a neighbor. <laughs> Wait, so when did, so you were at BYU and you met Emmy? No, we actually met in high school. Oh. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, follow this chain. My my best friend, uh, his name's Eric Red, uh, he had an older sister, Lori, that was dating uh, my wife's older brother, Bryce. Right. Um, washing machine. Washing machine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Bryce would always bring Emmy around uh, Eric's house. Right. And I pretty much lived at Eric's house all through through high school so we became friends we actually i met her my my sophomore year in high school she was a freshman we didn't date um until yeah my sophomore year at byu interesting yeah 
Yeah, she was always Never like the little sister. Date. Oh, okay, just because of that. Well, yeah, it, Eric. This is bad. <laughs> Eric always uh, referred to Emmy as his future wife, like all through Are high you school. Serious? Oh, dead serious. <laughs> like no, I have no, no idea. And if he listens to this, he's gonna. Oh, that is he's gonna, awesome. He's gonna be so angry, <laughs> Eric. I love you. Um, yeah, and so he. Uh, uh, our sophomore year in, in college, he he went on a mission, and I married Hemi. <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, bro. <laughs> it's like, man, you Mormons are at a real disadvantage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then that's when you decided that. So, you never asked her out because you're oh it's yeah, like bro code stuff. Off, oh, one hundred percent, completely off limits. Absolutely interesting. Not. Yeah. But and I never looked at her that way either because it was like Stop that's it. Emmy. I mean, she was beautiful. She was gorgeous. That's Eric's future wife. <laughs> oh my God. You can't just lay claim like that. Were they dating ever? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. What? Sorry. Eric, Eric, yeah. Eric's a good dude, though. I could see Eric that. is, yeah, he's got a heart of gold. One of the best human beings I've ever, I've that ever known. That is hilarious. So, sophomore year, and you decide to ask her out. Yeah. So, she actually, she actually put the, uh, the heat on me. Um, I was over at what Eric's house. What does that house. mean? Well, I was over at Eric's house one night. She was dating some other person. Right. Um, and she shows up to Eric's house with this other person and, and her brother. And I went up and I gave her a big hug. And, you know, genuinely, she's like, right, she right. was one of the one of her friends. Right. And she's, she'll tell that like, she was standing in the kitchen and she would look at her, the, the guy she was dating and look at me, look at the guy she was dating, look at me. And she's like, I want to marry a guy like Jake Christman. Right. And how so, tall was Emmy at this stage in her life? Because she's tall. Yeah. <laughs> right? Do you know that inside joke? If I no. say she's 5'9 and she hears this, she's going to punch me as hard <laughs> as she can. She's 5'10. Uh, <laughs> I just don't want to get hit. <laughs> um, she, uh, yeah, she was, she was like 5'8, five, 5'9 five, then. Wow. She hasn't grown and very much. For those of you listening, Jake is 6'8. Yes. Right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. So that night, she actually broke up with the, the guy she was dating, and she told Bryce that what she wanted for Christmas was a date with, with me. So what do I want for Christmas? Is that real? That's, that's de- like dead serious. No joke. Wow. Yeah. And that was it? That was it. So you started, to, how long did you guys date? Uh, so we, our first date was New Year's Eve uh, in 2001, and we, we dated, ended up getting married in December, December 27, 2002. So just shy wow. of a year. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. And she was LDS, right? Yeah, she was. Yep. She was a member of the See, church. That's always it. So, so how did that go? Like for those of you that aren't L- church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, we're in, we're in Utah. Yep. A lot of Mormon people here. I still say Mormon. I'm sorry, but I've always felt bad for kids here, especially in Utah County. Like you're going to Provo high and then BYU, which right. is a church owned private university. I've always felt bad for kids that aren't LDS because it's just, it's got to be hard. And I mean, when you guys were dating, probably even harder. Sure. You know, because things were even a little bit more bubbled off back then. But yeah. how did that go with your parents and her parents? And because I also know she had a little bit of a, I mean, she's Italian, so she has a little <laughs> wild side, right? I've never met an Italian yeah. that doesn't have a wild side. But yeah. But yeah I, how did that go? Once you guys started getting serious, is that, was that an issue? Um, for, for my parents, absolutely not. I mean, my, my parents are, are incredibly supportive. They're, you know, they're, your they, parents are awesome. They're, oh my gosh, they're so fun. They taught also me, hers. 
so I grew up, I was born and raised in Provo, right, right as a non-member, but um, my parents instilled the same values, morals, sure. essentially the same beliefs. You know, they, they raised me the, the way that, you know, I, I turned out okay, right? Yeah. And high school was Took touch and go. It was touch and go. <laughs> but um, dating, uh, dating Emmy, her, uh, her parents could not have been more supportive or oh, wow. more more loving and and genuine um you know her mom her did that mo- surprise you sure sure because a lot of my experience uh, growing up i mean I, I i dated a couple girls seriously in in high school and and their their families were were somewhat okay with it there were girls that i wasn't allowed to date at all if i found a you know wow. if i wanted to take a girl out on a date there were very very awful experiences where Sorry, I can't go on a date with you because you're not a member of the church. My parents won't let me. And this was high school age. Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. Well, and then even into college too. And I, I, I don't want to say that this is, you know, this was wrong, but was, I just I see the other side of the coin and I see how it was wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll say it. I don't have any titles. I uh, I dated. I don't have any titles. So in in college my freshman year of college i was dating uh another girl and i was dating her you know we were we were pretty serious and right. we spent a lot of time together and you know she she was a member of the church as well uh and she came to me one day and she said you know i just just so you're aware i'm not going to get married unless i get married in the temple and i said great that's awesome i'm happy for you we're going to break up now <laughs> <laughs> because that's not where i was like yeah. i that that wasn't something that it, that interest me at the time or, or that I was even remotely prepared for or ready for yeah. it. You know, the, the discussion of, of church and, and church activity. But, uh, Emmy's parents were so supportive uh, to the point where, you know, the, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I went and I met with her dad in his, uh, in his office, uh, at work, um, and asked him if I, if he would be okay if I married his daughter and, and, you know, his answer was absolutely no issues. Love you to death. You know, he was again, so supportive. And I asked him straight up, Craig, you understand, you know, I'm not a member of the church. Is that going to be an issue? Right. And his response was one that I'll always remember. And one that, that, that I hope if, if my kids are in the same situation that I can respond the same way. He said of all the kids of all the, the young men that Emmy has ever brought home, you know, that, that she's dated, you by far have treated her the best. And wow. And I don't, he didn't, he didn't care about the church standpoint. He knew that you had a record. (laughs) (laughs) Charges, charges were dropped. Illegal search and seizure. Uh, (laughs) Is that true? Yeah. (laughs) I guess it is right. They're going through your bag. Oh, I don't love that we came this back to that conversation. <laughs> this, this is why I'm on the podcast, though, Jake. I see those little things, you know. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I was getting romantic, but I'm like, yeah. even though, did you tell him about your record? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's, that's really cool. So It was really, really cool. Wow. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of my church experience was not like that, right? right. Be- oh, before, for sure. Like before, exposure to yeah. members and stuff like that. Right. So so that was a that was a breath of fresh air for me. And, and yeah. Was looking, that a turning point? For back? sure. For sure. Looking back at it now, that was definitely, you know, it, it took me on a different path, you know, a different trajectory. Help drop your guard a little bit with that. Because that's all, I mean, how many times do people mention that growing up? 
like try to invite you to church to like sure. did that happen quite a bit yeah well i mean all the time right that was i mean i would go to young men's activities i'd go to campouts right. and stuff my my dad wasn't there but you know fathers and sons i'd always go with my buddy and and his dad wow not knowing that i was like a project right but i was a project <laughs> right there's <laughs> somebody's goals yeah yeah do missionary work right interesting so you get married yeah so we uh we got married uh in like i said december 27 2002 um i was playing dude that december's expensive for yeah. you now oh yeah that was a mistake <laughs> well it was that or wait until baseball season was over you got to fit it in between sports yeah true it was it That's was like winter break and one of the per, one of the people in the relationship is mormon so there's another reason to speed it up a little bit wink wink <laughs> i don't even want to laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i just always I told mormon kids once you get engaged just hurry and get married <laughs> you know we don't do the whole like one year engagement thing you can't do that you guys will just have to do a little research. You know she's going to... If you don't know what I'm talking about. You know she's going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> she hits hard like Listen, I told you already. She knows who I am. Yep. She knows how I am. She'll be she up loves there. you as you are. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Yeah, so it was uh, it was baseball season. Like, we're just ramping into baseball season, and baseball, I mean, we were good. Right. So you have, you know, you're in your season, and then conference championships, and then we would, we would go to the NCAA tournament. So it would be mid-June before... I wouldn't be playing baseball. Wow. So it's like, yeah, well, let's just get married. Right. Let's, let's make it happen. So yeah, December 27th. Um, I played that last, uh, that was my, um, now my junior year of baseball. Um, had a terrible year. My focus was elsewhere, like <laughs> entirely elsewhere. Where? On my wife. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, At that point, were you wanting to go pro? That is real. Sorry, go ahead. Answer that question. <laughs> Another. Yeah, I think. Yes. I, yeah. I mean, that was like a lifelong dream. Was I was sure. gonna I was gonna play pro, but that junior year, I had I had a shoulder injury where I went from throwing low nineties to throwing like mid to upper eighties. Throwing low nineties. Yeah. Was, wow. Ninety four was the highest that I got. Sheesh. So I just went like essentially throwing batting practice. So my ERA ballooned and had more losses than wind and nobody was going to draft me. So it's like, yeah, okay. Now let's, let's think long-term. I still had two years of basketball eligibility left. Right. I mean, I had just gotten married. It's like, let's, let's jump this ship. Let's, let's go somewhere where we can be alone, be together and, and figure us out. Well, at the same time, you know, having, having a, a pretty unique and cool experience. So, um, I had an opportunity to go to BYU Hawaii and uh and finish out my basketball career at BYU Hawaii two years of eligibility and I mean I got to kind of figure cool. things out for two years on our own which was it was amazing so why why did you I mean what was the main purpose of wanting just get away from family and friends and just Hawaii hang out yeah well, I know Hawaii, Hawaii too <laughs> <laughs> like was was that I mean it kind of sounds like sometimes it's easier to transfer right like if you know, if you're not getting playing time or whatever else, or was it just for marriage purposes? Like, let's get out of Utah. We can just be by ourselves. And it really was a fresh start for me. Okay. I was a punk, right? I was a, I was a punk in high school. And my, my first couple years at BYU, I was, I was kind of a punk too. Right. Uh, this was an opportunity for me and Emmy to kind of start fresh, just her and I 
away from kind of away from the drama, happy uh, valley i mean i'm born and raised here there's a lot of history here right um and then her parents were here my parents were here so it it allowed us to just be together and i it, think that's huge oh it was, i think it's really good for couples to do that it was the best thing that we ever did Plus, so for two Hawaii years we got to yeah, I mean, yeah it was the right? beach it was nice right but for two years, we got to be starving students and, and right. you know, work minimum wage jobs on, on campus to afford $5 a gallon milk and, <laughs> you know. And 25 cent in, ketchup packets at McDonald's. Yeah, and live in TVA, which was just wow. not, you know, it was, it was interesting. We'll put it that way. Um, but l- again, looking back, like there's very specific reasons why I went to Hawaii, right? And we moved... We moved six months after we were married to uh, to BYU Hawaii. Uh, moved in August in uh, beginning of September. Sister Donna, Donahue and Sister Chang knocked on the door, uh, and I was ready. I was ready to to wow. listen to the message. Absolutely. And how did you know? Like, like how did that go? They knocked on. Like, like I'm really curious. Well, these about are that. sister missionaries. Yeah. So yeah. sister missionaries. This, yeah. Knocked on your door. Did they were they sent to you? Or were they just nope. cold contacting? Shut cold up. contact. It wasn't a referral. No, it wasn't or a referral anything? at all. No. Nope. So they just knocked oh. on the door. Yeah. And like they knocked on the door. I mean, there I had had a, a number of experiences leading up to it where where my interest in the church had had grown. Uh, I had you know read the Book of Mormon already. I being at BYU, you know, that was kind of required, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, so I had had a, uh, had a professor of the second half of the Book of Mormon. Uh, he was also the chaplain because I didn't have a, you know, a bishop to get an ecclesiastical endorsement to. I'd have to go to him. Um, uh, his name was Paul Warner, and he was, he was part of the athletic department. And Paul challenged me uh, to, uh, to pray about the Book of Mormon. And so that was really one of the, the first experiences that I had. And it's like, okay, well, this is, yeah, this is something bigger than, than what, you know what i had anticipated it being anyway and then the sisters knock on the door and and i mean they were they were incredible uh they started teaching me in at the beginning of september mid-september uh and i was baptized november 29th 2003 so just shy of a year of emmy and i being married wow right so was emmy going to church or anything when you guys were first married yeah. yeah, and we would. I would like go. You would with go her. with her. Yeah, I would go with oh, her. Wow. I was that guy that had like a gray shirt on or a yellow shirt, <laughs> short sleeve Some chains. Yeah, my gold chain. No, I, no. Some I didn't have Michael a chain. The chain, no, the chain was. <laughs> oh man, the chain was underneath the tie. <laughs> That's wild. And so Emmy never pushed it, which no. doesn't surprise me because yeah. Emmy's chill like that. She but. is. Wow, so cool. So, and you know, if you're in Utah. I always say that it's harder to be a good LDS person in Utah for some reason because it's just so present. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in everything. So sometimes it's nice to get out of the bubble and you can really start so kind of learning honestly, about it the right way. Yeah. To that point, I honestly think it took me leaving Utah Valley. For sure. It took me leaving Utah County to to really fully understand and 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 realize what – you know what it is that that I was feeling and and what it is that I that I needed in my life. I mean, I was at a point where I I was looking for direction anyway. You right. know, Emmy and I trying to pave a path forward in our relationship and in our family. But it it really it took me getting outside of just this cultural aspect. Sure. And, you know, I I harp on on that a lot uh, in in my church callings that that 
you know, we need to we need to emphasize more on the gospel, more on on Christ and his ministry, and a lot less, a ton less on the culture side of it. Right. Like whatever. And the card in your wallet. Yeah. Right. The, nobody nobody cares about like the or we shouldn't be care, caring about all this superficial cultural stuff right. with the church. Right. And it's it's hard not to here yeah. in Utah when everybody or when the heavy majority of people are LDS. And so they just look at everything a little bit different. Sure. If you do something sure. a little different, you're you're naughty. Yeah. Although you were kind of naughty as a young I was. <laughs> I was a punk. Do you I wasn't naughty. I was right. <laughs> I was a punk. Right? <laughs> is, I was too worried about like losing a scholarship that I didn't drink, smoke, or have sex, right? Right, like, right. Well. My buddies did that were members of the church. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's that old joke, remember? Just don't invite any. Always invite two Mormons instead of just one or whatever. Still, if you invite just one, they'll drink all your beer. Isn't that the joke? <laughs> You've never heard that? Yeah, never never invite just one LDS person to your party? Because <laughs> they worry more about what oh, the other one will so think heavy. about them. It's brilliant. Drew's over here like, oh, yeah, how are we going to Oh, relax, everybody. <laughs> Jeez, we got to be able to laugh at ourselves. So what makes this so interesting is... Three and a half years ago, it's been uh, five. five it's years. been five. Five years on the twenty seventh, December twenty seventh. Holy crap! Yeah. Jake Chrisman. At what? How old were you? Five years ago. Uh, thirty four. Thirty four was called to be a bishop. Now, for those of you not familiar with our church, what would you call it? The pastor? The I mean, sure. The king no, of the of no. the of the ward. I like the pastor. Right, he's the leader of More a appropriate. What do we call ward? Geographical boundary mm-hmm. or con- congregation? So he is a bishop, and so which is kind of crazy. I mean, convert to the church, right? Obviously, you didn't go on a mission. Nope. And you're a bishop of a family ward, not a singles ward, like yeah. a family ward at 34 years old. Yeah. So if you ever want to feel small, <laughs> you know. I'm six years old. How much older? Oh, no, you're 39. So I'm only two years older than you now. But I'm just mad that you weren't the bishop when I lived there. Of course, it happened after I moved. I could have finally got a lot of things off my chest. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it doesn't surprise me at all. And it's just, and maybe maybe on the other side of this, it's hard to tell because, you know, we know each other so well. But, I mean, that's a big deal. And, I mean, to go from the the shoe story at (laughs) 1718 – to bishop you know geez 15 years later it's awesome it's crazy and just an awesome family four kids five five kids don't forget about viv listen (laughs) that one happened towards the end of the neighborhood even though we're trying to get them to move up closer to us it'll never happen but yeah i mean that's a big change yeah, it was it was In a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. It was uh it was a crazy change for sure. Um it was nothing that I, I, nobody can ever be prepared to oh. uh for for the calling, especially uh, now with COVID and everything, like us yeah. not really in church. People are going a little nuts at home. Yeah. That's it's got to be tough. Different. Well, so so let's back up to this I want to let's talk. So basketball ends. Mm-hmm. You play two years in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. 
Now, were you pretty much set on, you wanted to keep playing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I want, I never expected to play beyond college in basketball. Right. Like, I, like I never thought that I was, I was ever good enough to that, uh, to do that. Went to BYU Hawaii. Uh, we had an awesome team and, you know, we, we won a lot of games. And so I got, I started getting some exposure and, uh, signed with an agent right after the season was done. Um, and had an opportunity to go overseas and play, uh, play professionally for four years, which was really, you just add on to the two years that, I mean, I had in Hawaii and now add four more years, even further away from family, even further right. away from, you know, out of comfort zone completely. Right? Exactly. It's just proof that when we get married, we all just need to move away. <laughs> Cause they have pretty awesome marriage. Well, you do too. You didn't move away. You're just chill though. Both of you are <laughs> pisses me off. But so four years in Germany, actually funny, funny side note. It all came out in Germany. It all came out in high school. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe that's it. We used it all up. Listen, yeah. I couldn't even walk into the Peaks Ice Arena for a, a, a year. Like I was a hothead as well. And this was, I think that was after I got married. Anyway, I'm figuring it out. Okay. Leave me alone. But the one time I got lost in a foreign country <laughs> was because of Jake. What? Remember, I went grocery shopping for you to get those chocolate bars. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I go to well, yeah. So I go to I Germany. About that. So you played ball in Germany, right? Yeah, yeah. Four Ger- years. Germany for three years. Portugal for one. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in Germany doing a barbecue thing at this big international trade show. I'm there with Traeger. And when he found I out really I'm going to Germany, he's like, that. "Dude, you got to bring me back." You know, he gave me this list of candy. I'm like, done. So like the third or fourth night, I hop in a taxi. <laughs> and I go to this grocery store and by the time I get there, all the like taxis and everybody closed. closed. So I got all my groceries. And it's not late at night. Like, I mean, it's, it's like, like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's like the nine or 10 at night. Stop running. But dude, so I go out <laughs> to where the taxi dropped me off and nobody's, nobody's there. Like no taxis are coming by. I was freaking out. I was like, I had no <laughs> clue where I was. I had Google Maps out. So I start walking, trying to get to the train, like the subway. You know, Are you able you, to communicate at all with anyone? Well, and that's the thing. Like, you just assume that no, right? And so I buy all these groceries. I've got a backpack on. And I'm walking through neighborhoods <laughs> at 1030 at night in the pitch dark. No freaking clue if I'm in a good neighborhood or a bad neighborhood. Oh my gosh, that was a stressful night. So I walked back to the grocery store and I walked like, you know, a little customer service desk like we have here. And I'm like, um, do you speak English? She's like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, so many people speak. Everybody under the English age of 50 there. speaks fluent English. And yeah. she's just like, oh yeah, you need to ride back to the hotel. She made a call and that was it. She was so nice. <laughs> she's like 60. She was probably 60, but oh, really? she was all tatted up. Like. Anyway, That's super funny. nice lady, but I was just freaking out. Didn't even think to ask at first. No, and it was all because I wanted to get the Christmans their candy bars that they wanted. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a fun little yeah. connection. You so go to Germany, Emmy. yeah. It was yeah it was, that candy right. that candy was all for Emmy, chocolate cakes, uh, Milka, and then these Haribo like Haribo right, right. gummy bears, but the like moons, best candy, best they were candy, so good. So yeah, and you can only get them like in Germany. That's so funny. Where were you in Germany? So first year we were in Essen, which uh, it's northwest corner. We were about an hour, hour and 30 minutes away from Amsterdam. Okay. Like that far northwest. 
Uh, so you have like Cologne and then Dusseldorf and then Essen. That's where I was, was Cologne. Yeah. Place is kind of crazy. Yeah. Really, really ugly. It, it is really ugly. Because everything it was all was, flattened, right? Everything During was the all war. flattened. Yeah. There's, so you ride elevators and you see uh, like the brand is like Tyson Krupp, uh-huh. like those yeah, elevators, yeah. right? So Krupp, he was a uh, industrialist. Like he owned a bunch of factories in that area. Um doing metal production right and hitler had him transition all of his factories into armament right so he would build like wow armament for for tanks and and other vehicles and so the allied forces just came in and just, just oh, leveled everything alone or wild so there's like that church is still yep, half, the, the dome, dome is still halfway yep. standing but it for miles just everything is gone just everything flattened and then they rebuilt everything as fast as they possibly could and so it just all looks black the same it's all the same same color model we had dough. to evacuate half of our hotel was evacuated while i was there because they found a, a warhead really hadn't exploded huh like i and i guess in cologne it happens all it's like a daily occurrence they'll find unexploded ordnance all so over that, the place that the dome that giant cathedral that's yeah, that you know, in the unreal in the middle of uh, of cologne it's, it's gorgeous i mean right. it's it's amazing but the only reason why that's still standing is because the Allied bombers would use that as kind of like to line them that's up for wild. their run. So they would line up with the dome, and then when they when they passed over the top of the dome, then they would drop. So it was it was kind it's of like, like their this. point of reference. Mm-hmm. That's wow. crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's a crazy place. But Germans are pretty fun. They're interesting people. Yeah, so was, I bet living there would actually be kind of cool. It was. It was really. It was an awesome experience. Um, was it hard to give it up? Like, was it hard to stay like, like to stop hooping, like playing? Oh ball? yeah, that was. Talk about depression, right? Like doing something that you've you've done your entire life, and then all of a sudden you're you're sitting at a desk. Like that was, that was rough. Well, you doing know? something that defines you. That's right. You know. Right. And then trying to figure out or understand, you know, what, what, who am I and, and what really defines me, right? right? Basketball, I thought defined me, but it, it didn't. And right. so, you know, there's this, this really late in life learning process about, all right, what is it that I, you know, that I want to accomplish? Who is it that I want to be? And, and a lot of guys actually never like get over it. No, no. Hey, so they, true. I mean, Latrell Spreewell is still in China. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Is that true? Spreeball is still in China. He still has debts to pay, probably. <laughs> Isn't he the one that had all the, like, spent all of his money? Yeah, like building spinner rims. Yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> remember those are those were a thing. Oh spinner my rims. gosh, yeah. <laughs> those were a thing. First summer in Chicago, pulling up next to the van. Yeah, and the van stopped, and the wheels didn't. No, <laughs> it was just like, what is going on? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> so did you come back when you finished with basketball? Did you come straight back to Utah? Uh, yes, yeah, so we, we would come back during like off season. Yeah, during off season, during the summer, summer months. And I do my workouts and stuff and then I'd head back in August, September. Uh, yeah, we did that for, for four years. But then, yeah, after I was so. You were still pretty young, though. So what, what made you decide to stop? Injuries. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was fairly injury free my my entire career until my second year in Germany, I blew out my knee, uh, ACL, MCL, lateral meniscus. And then my, my fourth season when I was in Portugal, same, same injury, both of them just freak accidents, not 
really nobody's ACL could have survived it. It was a guy your size flopped on me one time, uh, my uh, my second year in Germany. 230 pounds? Yeah. Wow. That's a big Just guy. shy of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kilos. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I apologize. No. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was my second. Like The first time I did it, I rehabbed, surgery, rehab, um, went through kind of the the emotional and mental experience of of coming back to the game which was which was it was hard that's hard but i it's had so motivation scary. right i had that motivation that you know i want to play again so i'm going to play again were you ever trying to get to the nba uh i wasn't good enough i, was, I mean i after college i had workouts uh with with some nba teams but i was never i wasn't that, yeah. that caliber of a player so i mean i would have loved to but that wasn't a reality. Um, but yeah, then my my second time during my... Whoa, jeez. <laughs> weird. Uh, Should have warned me about that. It's like... Everything. Well, I didn't think you'd be flopping your hands everywhere. <laughs> jeez. I'm married to Italian. This is like... Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. So, so the second time it happened... Yeah, second time it happened, uh, we had already had Nico, who's my, my oldest... Uh, my only son, um, and Emmy was was pregnant with Mel, right. and so it's like, all right, now I'm I'm staring down the barrel of another like ten months of rehab. My wife is pregnant. We're gonna have a baby. Medical bills are not cheap. Right. It's time to it's time to let it go and and wow. and find something that that can pay the bills. Huh. So did you jump into what you're doing now right away, or did that? Yeah, like right away, and it was really again the Lord's hand and everything. This is it's it's wild how it how it happened. We got home in January. Um, I had surgery January tenth. I'm doing my rehab. My brother in law, who works for a company called Deseret Power up in Sandy, he says, "Hey, uh, I don't know what your plans are with basketball, but there's this this job opening with this company that we do business with." If you're looking for something, this might be something you you should take a look at. I was like, oh, okay. This time I was contemplating of going back to school and and going the physical therapy route. Nah, that didn't work. Um, I hated school. <laughs> That'd be so hard <laughs> to go back to. Co- I mean, I never went to college, so I don't know. But <laughs> if it's anything like high school, I would hate hate it. <laughs> exactly like high school. <laughs> I mean, you're playing pro ball in Germany. <laughs> trying to then going back to school that would suck. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, I decided to interview for the, or apply, and and I got an interview. So I interviewed for that job and interviewed well. I guess they hired me on, and I've been with them for twelve years now. Like your height, your looks. I mean, that played a part too. So true. It's a like, very attractive man. Very true story. My boss, Scott, who you've met before. Yeah, Scott's like the awesome. Nicest human being For sure. in the world next to Eric Red. Right. Um, <laughs> Scott Emmy just Red, lays Red, it. Shit. Yeah, just doesn't sound good. <laughs> Scott just laid it out straight for me. He said, you know, we had 10 interview spots for this position and you were number 11. I was like, oh, cool. Why did you interview me? I'd never interviewed a professional basketball player before. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. That was it. 
And the other the other people on the interview panel are like, "What are you doing? Like, you're wasting our time." He's like, right. "I don't care. I've never interviewed a basketball player before. I want to I want to ask him some questions." So, did he talk basketball during the interview? Yeah, he totally did. Really? Totally did. Yeah. And so you had no experience, but they gave you the job. Zero experience. Wow. People, guys that that had degrees in economics or finance or even MBAs that were or that had applied and. Here's me, exercise physiology degree. I know <laughs> nothing about energy. Sign me up. But hey, if you have a company basketball team, yeah, exactly, might be good. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the other part of the reason why I wanted you to come because I've always found it. I don't think any of us ever really think about what you do. You know, <laughs> what you do for a living has a lot to do with all of our daily lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what is it that you do? Uh, so. Or maybe describe it to, yeah, I mean, I know what you do, but. Yeah. It's a world that, that really not very many people know exists, right? So everybody goes and, and they'll walk into a room and they'll flip on the light switch, but where does that energy come from? I work for a company called Utah Municipal Power Agency, uh, and we provide the wholesale electricity to six cities here in Utah, Provo, Spanish Fork, Salem, Nevi, Levan, and Manti. And what that means is we are, we're the entity that owns power plants, transmission lines, uh, we generate the electricity, we deliver it to the city, and then the city distributes it to their to their end user. Wow. So like here at, at the restaurant, you pay your bills to Rocky Mountain Power, right? They suck. Their rates are not great. Well, it's not even the rates. Whatever they do to make power sucks. Oh, you guys My power that. goes out three that's, or four times a year. That's right. It's it's crazy. It's just this air it's just these like three or four square blocks. It's I don't know if it's just old infrastructure or yeah, what, probably but, oh it drives me insane anyways yeah so rocky mountain power is the they're the distribution arm they deliver it to the end user they have a parent company called pacificorp that's based out of portland oregon right. and that's the level that's that's who i deal with so for the first 10 years of working at umpa uh i was an energy trader so i would i would buy and sell electricity power on the on the open market uh, that is wild. So how does that work? Like yeah. we're like buying and so, like we need a little extra power here, so we're going to buy it, mm -hmm. or we've produced a little extra so we can sell it. Right. Exactly. Weird. Yeah. So it says, I mean, uh, electricity is instantaneous, right? So right. the second somebody flips on a light switch, there's a there's a generator somewhere that is ramping up or or producing it's creating you know, it. those those kilowatt hours to you know, to power the lights and it's instantaneous. Right. Um, do most cities operate in like the, in the surplus or deficiency? So cities kind of operate flat, okay. right? Uh, it's the wholesale, the wholesale provider, us, Pacific Corp, uh, and others here in Utah, uh, that, that operate in that surplus or, or that deficit. And, you know, those are the, the other counterparties that, that I'm buying and selling with or that I was buying and selling with when I was on the, the trading floor. Um, so the analogy that kind of makes the most sense, at least I've seen it makes most sense. Imagine you have like this giant swimming pool, right? Right. And the swimming pool represents like electricity demand. So you have you have people that are around the pool that are pouring water into the pool, right? The, that would be like the generator. Right. Those would be the, the, the producers that are, that are putting electricity on. And then you have people that are scooping water out. And those are the end users, right? And the, the so pool. Like all of us. Yeah. Yep, that's us flipping on light switches. Yeah. Uh, or and leaving them on all day, like my children and wife. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god! Just constantly scooping Dude, that water. Don't right? ever oh. go downstairs. It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? It's so I I totally turned into my dad. Oh, me too. Like my dad, I was like, turn off all the lights. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh, settle down. And now, like I walk into room, I'm like light off yep light off like i just walk around the house turning off lights that's like all i do you're building a new house right yeah just put in occupancy sensors seriously like, instead of having light switches like there's a sensor when somebody walks in the room, the light turns off and yep. then when there's no motion in the room for a period of time it, it'll it'll shut or off automatically switches that shut down you'll be a lot happier floor. i know i can stop you'll be way happier way happier <laughs> like especially the basement like i always said we should just have a switch at the top of the stairs of the basement it turns it all that turns off. all of it off no, I make the same lap. I wake up, I get dressed, and before I go downstairs, I start with Hannah's room, <laughs> Cohen's room, walk through their Jack and Jill bathroom, Taya's room, and then I go downstairs. Like, I literally have to turn off everything. Look, I, I, you go down there, and it's like, our storage room light's on. It's like, guys, <laughs> what, what are we even- Who was at the storage room? What are we even doing here? We're making Jake more money. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, because you also pay your bills to Rocky Mountain Power, right? That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. So, that's Warren that's Buffett. Cr- You're making Warren Buffett richer. Oh man, he could use it. He's not at the top of the list right now. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, is the data there? Like, you know, what months you're going to have extra, or are there months where you produce extra on purpose because you know there's other places that are going to want some? You should be a power broker. Well, thank you. Yeah, I own a barbecue like it, restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> It it clicked. You you get it. Yeah. yeah. There's there are months where I mean it's it's economics, right? The right. supply supply is greater than uh, than demand, and you know those those would be the months where nobody's air conditioners are running. Right. That it's not super freezing outside. March, April, beginning of May, October, a little bit of November. Right. right? It's kind of just mild here in Utah. Um, but the the other months where it's either really cold or really hot, that's when you see demand screams and supply is playing catch up to it. Huh. I mean, the the big, you know, the big issue this last year in August was the rolling blackouts in California. Right. Right. And the, the fires. It was because of the fires, but also, I mean, politics and right. and shutting down of of power plants that they need. They right. absolutely need. So yeah, the highest demand times in, in the summertime and it's like if you ever made a mistake like a bad trade like what was the consequence of that it's usually just financial okay yeah so nothing that we do would ever like turn somebody's lights off So like you're not going to cause a city to like run out of power right right exactly like exactly you no you don't have the password no, the, the, i don't have the password <laughs> i would have some fun with that <laughs> We don't have like a big red button that you just right. push and all the lights go out. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen. I, I just think if you could plug in an address, that would be awesome. Like, hey, suck it. You're done. <laughs> they cut me off. Anyway. Wait, so how far away can you send? Because you have the six cities. Yep. Where Where's the power produced? Like yeah, close so, by? Yeah. So our, uh, our power plants, our generators, we have one that's in Provo City, like downtown Provo. It used to be like the two big white smokestacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That are no longer there. There's a there's a newer power plant there. Um, we have... So they're generating... What do they run off? I mean, are they like... Those are natural gas. Natural gas. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super... They're the cleanest running natural gas generators in the state of Utah. God, those have to be some big-ass generators. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Those ones, are, those ones are small. They're like big diesel engines but right. not diesel They're but i mean still 
That's got to be a ton. Like you just think, I think of my diesel generator that runs the food truck out there. Like that wouldn't run a whole house. No. Yeah, they're big. They're they're big. Sheesh. Uh, we have a, a really big natural gas facility in West Valley. So if you've ever been to USANA Amphitheater, uh, on this, the northeast corner, you can see five smokestacks. That's our, our West Valley generator. Oh, wow. Generating station. And then we have a bunch of hydro. Um, the newest resource that, that we just closed on is a, is a large solar project, uh, 80 megawatts, which doesn't mean anything to anybody I when say, I say megawatts. I that, like, what does that mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What's, what is like the most sought after energy right now? Is it solar? Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Yeah, everybody, everybody's pushing solar, um, especially California. Is there a reason? Is it more trendy or is there like a legitimate reason that that should be what everyone's going after? So from a renewable energy standpoint, I think we can all agree that that polluting uh, less is a good thing, right? And I don't want to get into the debate of, of global warming and all that. But it's just, real. <laughs> but just, just pollution in general, right, is... The less pollution, the better. For sure. Um, one of the problems that you that you run into with renewable energy, especially wind, is it's so variable. You don't know right. with certainty when the wind's going to blow. You do know with certainty when the sun's going to shine. So that what that's what makes solar that much more valuable is you know exactly when the sun's going to be up. Now, yeah, there's cloud cover, and you might not get the you know the the best uh, production. But you still know the sun's going to shine. Yeah, right. So you can you can plan for it a little bit better. So is that what everyone's trying to mm -hmm. either build or transition to? Yeah. So there's a there's been a big push for solar, especially in California or people that are feeding energy into California, which we do a little bit. We like to monetize our projects at their rates. You know. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Awesome. So our surplus, okay, we'll send it. We'll show. we'll sell it to California and and make. So that's I was going to ask, like physically, how far away can you sell? I mean, that's wild. So you're, I mean, I think of it like water, like mm -hmm. opening up the dam and sending it down the river. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could actually physically send electricity to California. So yes, is that, is that what it is? I mean, yes, you can. Yes. But when I when we do transactions again, it's that pool analogy, right? Sure. Somebody might be You're dumping, just cranking up the generator. Somebody might be dumping water in on that side of the pool and pulling water out of this side of the pool. The pool is still staying balanced. I see. Right. That's the grid staying staying balanced. Um, so, with, but it's it, not like I'm my generator is sending electrons straight to California. So weird. It's like water. It's path of least resistance. The first right. light switch that's closest to that generator is the one that's going to be using that, using that, those electrons. That's wild. I, I'm kind of confused now. Yeah, it's. <laughs> so what are they buying? Like, if electricity is not going from here to there, they're paying. They're paying us for putting energy onto the grid so that they can then take it off of the grid. Oh, I see. So that the grid stays stable. Stays. Right. Uh, See, that's the weird thing. You always think of it as kind of storage. Like, where are we storing all this? Like, it's not like you can store it. Yeah. It's just the generator's cranking up a gear or two. Right. Exactly. So what's Christmas like? Like, or I guess summer would probably be yeah. the hardest on Summer on is, is by far the hardest just because ACs pull so much power. Yeah, ACs are cranking. Like, yeah. how often are there, like, are there ever, like, power droughts? 
like you have with like water. I mean, we talked about like, the blackouts of California. Was that like a drought because there wasn't enough going into the grid? Right. Yep. There wasn't enough uh, production available. And so they had to selectively shut customers off. Right. Sorry, we don't have enough energy. We haven't planned our system. And I'm saying UMPA, California hasn't planned their system well enough. So we're just going to have to Shocking. turn off your power for an hour. Sorry. It's 102 degrees outside. Deal with it. Wow. It's, does, that ha- does that happen often? No. No, it doesn't. And th- this year was one of the hottest years ever on record. Plus, we had a bunch of infrastructure in California that was down because of the fires and uh, consumption was up. Everybody was home, yeah. right? COVID. Yeah, uh, I didn't think about that. That's crazy. Yeah, so it, it really it was a perfect storm, and, and it led to these scenarios that weren't planned for. So they've California, the California's um, governing body over energy now gets to have a one-on-one relationship with the federal government uh, to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Can we just split them off of our country? (laughs) (laughs) California and New York, just like cut them off, like float them out, (laughs) be an island. They'd still charge you taxes. Uh, I grew up there, but (laughs) I just... That place. You heard about that, right? What? What What uh, Governor Newsom proposed? Oh, no. That I mean, he's been idiot. on this for a little bit, but if you move outside, if you move away from California, they're still going to, they are trying to tax you for 10 years. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> they're trying to stop the mass exodus. <laughs> and it's just going faster. Yeah. How stupid. <laughs> Did he think of that at the French Laundry? The fancy restaurant that he was eating in a few months ago? He was locking everyone in their house. Mm -hmm. So with any of your solar farms, are you trying to actually store energy? Do you have like a battery system or is it all, do you you just pump it like straight into the grid? Uh, We just pump it straight into the grid. So what's unique about our company is we're public power, right? Every, every decision, every transaction that I made had a direct consequence or benefit to the end user. Right. And I always, that's, that's why I love UMPA so much. And why I love what I do so much is, is that altruistic nature. Like I know that the decisions that, that I make have an impact on the end user, grandma and grandpa, mom, dad. Right. Um, you're so, a hero in the form of the, <laughs> with my air conditioning, right. With right. my air conditioning, I couldn't live <laughs> without you. So when our, well, my, so when our electric bill was really high, you did a crappy job of trading. Yeah, except you're Rocky Mountain Power. Or they so, made it. Sorry, <laughs> she's got a ton of money. Yeah, yeah, and, and so being a public entity, right? We right. The, we're nonprofit. We don't we don't keep any of those those margins, right? Those margins are returned back to the to the cities in the form of a rate reduction. So they they end up paying less. Yeah, that's that a, sucks. No, it's you should get a bonus for doing a good job. Well. It's, oh, you do. Okay, good. <laughs> let's, let's make sure not for profit do me, does not mean they don't make profit. That's right. true. I always, yeah, it's funny. Everybody always throws around the term like we're nonprofit. Yeah, I made one point three million, but we're nonprofit. <laughs> I just got a new Mastercraft. It's beautiful. We have, <laughs> but we're saving children. Yeah, and we have zero retained earnings, yeah. so not for profit. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh wow, so interesting. It, it, it's just funny because you hear like your story with basketball and I mean, it's just further proof. We talk a lot about it in here, you know, the whole, that whole, I mean, I'm sure going to college benefited you, you know, you, you have to exercise physiology, paper, but 
like you're doing would you have ever imagined that you know it's an important job and i'm sure it is it's fast paced and it's always moving and changing and it's just really cool it's like doesn't matter what you're doing like if that's one of the reasons why i love it so much is is it is dynamic right right. there there is so much change and it allows me to be like exercise that competitive nature that i have right sure I'm, i'm competing against other other marketers in you know in the west and and doing transactions trying to find trying to find the best deal and trying to make the best deal and and all while serving the end user and and keeping keeping costs as low you asked if if we uh if we store any of that no we don't and the reason being again end user in mind um storage the the cost of storage right now just doesn't it, it it's not economically we're not economically incentivized to do that for our member cities. Once storage becomes more readily available and cheaper, just like solar. Meaning like the technology is not there yet? Like the batteries aren't efficient enough to store it? Right. And uh, and production of it is is not on a large enough scale where it's just, it's too expensive. Yeah. Right. Solar used to be there. I mean, solar five years ago, it was 80, 90, $100 per megawatt, uh, per megawatt hour. And... The Is there pri- any way to give us an analogy on a megawatt? So uh, you your home uses about a megawatt per month. Oh, okay. Right? So it's like one and a half. So yours yeah, well, with the pool. With my air conditioning <laughs> pool and my swimming pool. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It was there when I bought the house. <laughs> okay. Keeps okay. us a toasty ninety two degrees no, year. Round. Listen. <laughs> that's what Mama Bear tries to do. I like eighty six. Okay. It's just right. Uh, Lake Pal, got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. <clears throat> so, do you feel like the the residential storage of power is efficient enough? You know, like the, all the Tesla batteries, people are trying to store, like go completely off the grid, right? Yeah. Like, is that there yet? Do you think? Um, How does that affect you too? Like all these people getting solar, like yeah, affects, those aren't people taking right. water out of the pool, right? Exactly. Uh, it affects us on a, a kind of a long-term planning and forecasting uh, perspective, right? There's, there's is there a financial impact to you? Sure. I mean, there's there were uh, there were generators and transmission that were built to serve these homes long-term, right? And that there's a, a huge argument about net metering, and and we can go down that rabbit hole another time. But <laughs> yeah, there's uh, those are dollars that that are not being recovered by by the utility and you know it 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 affects everybody right because if customer a chooses to serve all of their energy needs from their own house well those fixed costs is, fixed costs are being shared among all the other customers in that same city right. so um Luckily, we it's at a small scale. Like we don't have a, a renewable portfolio standard like California does, where we need to be 100% renewable by the, by 2030. So that that keeps the the incentive of putting rooftop solar on down a little bit. Plus, our rates are are way too cheap to even begin to incentivize people to uh, to put panels on their roof. Is that something? Is that something where like if you're planning on moving or building a house? Is that something that people should look into? Like, or is there a difference in, or that big of a difference in rates? But like, if if I move to a city that has sure you as the as the company providing the power, yeah, sure. is that you know? Because we look at property taxes, we look at things like that. But 
has anyone ever thought about where does the city get their electricity from yep. and how much does it cost? Yeah, that is that's something you should really you, know, you should be aware of at least, especially if you're going to be putting in a heated swimming pool or you've got <sighs> two two giant you know basketball court. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of airspace to keep cool, especially when I come over, Andrew. But to your yeah to your point, Andrew, about you know putting batteries in in homes. My personal feeling when I build my next house, I'll have battery and I'll have likely a natural gas generator Gen- you'll you'll do both yeah i want to do a generator too my, yeah. my dad just did a generator really yeah the reason being if you if you just have if you just have solar battery right if if there isn't if the power goes out in the city and you're say your battery is dead your solar panels won't do anything right, right? because there has to be energy butting up against your meter in order for that to to work and it's not gonna it's not gonna work so yeah i'll have a we'll do both mm -hmm. so are you gonna move to a city that you cover that umpa covers Mm -hmm. i want to but i where are the lots at (laughs) (laughs) let's talk to let's talk to some of your listeners people that that have lots available we're we're looking and there's nothing out there and you guys are moving to a prime area that there's nothing out there, right? All those, all those lots are, they're picked up. We can move to Wallsburg, build the compound. Good. <sighs> I need to get out of here. I can't do it anymore. Too many people. That's really crazy. I, it's funny that you'd never think about where your power comes from. No. Nope. Right? Like you just expect the bill. It is what it is, but you can actually save money by moving. I mean, power costs are different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and UMPA, the company I work for, you know, ours are the mm-hmm. lowest in the state. Wow. All right, let's go to Levathan. Is that how you say it? Levan. Levan. Yeah, yeah, that. Levan. Naval backwards. I think Levathan sounds better, <laughs> personally. I'll, I'll let you have that conversation with them. Well, it's funny. I'm really, I think it's really fascinating because it's just part of your everyday life that none of us ever think about. Sure. So... It, I you, think it's really, really interesting because you only notice it when it's not there, right? For it's, sure, yeah. Like when Bam Bam's loses power for three hours on a Saturday yeah. at noon. <laughs> oh, I hate Rocky Mountain power so much. If you're listening, suck it. Okay. Well, dude, that was really interesting. I don't hate Rocky Mountain power. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I've got to be a little more diplomatic. They, than prob- that. they probably send some money your way. I get it. <laughs> well, dude. Thanks for coming on, Jake. So cool. Yeah. I mean, really is a cool story. And I wish I wish Emmy was here too, because that would be pretty You guys are Emmy's such an interesting. The, yeah, she's pair. the life of the party, that's oh, for sure. You guys are you're both are, but you are different. Oh, very. But but yeah, that's really cool. And I mean what you're doing for a living, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Just I mean, who would have ever thought that you'd get into trading power? Right. Well, it just shows you just go for it. You just go for it. And you right? can learn anything. Like, we're smart. Mm-hmm. If you're motivated. I mean, he was just an athlete with a record. <laughs> and, you know, look what he's turned himself into. Now he's a bishop. <laughs> I love that this is that. on the airways, though. I love it. This is so never, good. I knew Emmy would marry a criminal. I yeah. just knew it. <laughs> Those Italians, they're like bad boys, man. They are. Oh, you're awesome. Well, thanks for coming, brother. No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. (laughs) 